Hey everybody, this is Chuck Marone. Welcome back to the Strong Towns Podcast. It's nice to chat with you. It feels like we've been a little bit intermittent lately. I, I know you guys are very forgiving of me. We've had a lot going on here. We just got done with a national gathering. I'm working on a book that is behind schedule, trying my hardest to get it out. We've got so many new things going on around here from the Crash Analysis Studio to the Community Action Lab. And then on a personal level, my oldest just graduated from high school. I'm actually off on uh, some PTO this week trying to help my wife and, and family get ready for a little celebration we're having. But I came in tonight to chat with you because it's a very important week at Strong Towns. It is our member drive. Uh, twice a year, we take a little time out to not only celebrate and thank our existing members, but invite those of you that are not members of Strong Towns to sign up and become one. Strong Towns is a 501c3 nonprofit. As our movement has grown, as our reach has grown, a lot of people have asked, you know, how, where does your money come from? Like, how are you supported? A lot of nonprofits have a foundation or a large donor or someone or a small set of someone's who has funded them not us. We kind of took the slow road and said, we are going to build this member by member by member. I remember the days when we had just a couple hundred members. Uh, we're now over 4,000 and looking to get to 5,000 by the end of the year. This membership base is not only a, a tremendous support for us from a revenue standpoint, people who are giving $5 a month, $25 a year, something like that. We, we don't have a minimum dollar amount. We don't have a maximum dollar amount to become a member. We just ask you to give what you can. The fact that we have thousands of people doing that is a tremendous source of stability for our organization. It allows us to be very forward-leaning. It allows us to kind of project out with a degree of confidence built up over a, a decade now of membership appeals and, and fairly consistent and kind of dedicated support from many, many of you. It's allowed us to be confident about what the next year is going to bring. And in being confident, be able to do new things, to be able to launch the Crash Analysis Studio, to be able to develop the Community Action Lab program. There's many more things in the hopper, but we need you to go today and sign up to become a member of Strong Towns. Just go to strongtowns.org. We've actually changed the homepage for this week so that right on the homepage is the membership sign up. If you're listening to this outside of our one member week here in June, uh, you can just click on the membership button in the upper right hand corner of the web page. Sign up to become a member at any amount and join thousands of people across the country who've said, this movement is important. It's important to me. This message is important. Uh, we want it to grow. We want it to continue to proliferate. We want more and more people to hear this message, and we want to support people who are out doing great things. I know on Member Week, I sometimes will take and do a, a bunch of short podcasts during the week. This year, we decided that what we're going to do is share with you the opening remarks that I gave at our Strong Towns National Gathering. We recently had the National Gathering in Charlotte, and uh, boy, was this an amazing time. I mean, I, I, I'm going to describe in a future podcast some of what happened, some of what transpired, and some of my thoughts and reactions to it. Let, let's say that I had fairly high expectations coming in of how this would go, 
And everything that happened kind of blew those expectations out of the water. Share with you here my opening remarks from that session. And before I do that, just remind you one last time, this is our member week. Go to strongtowns.org while you're listening to this. Sign up to become a member. Join the thousands of people who are supporting this movement, helping us build strong towns, helping people around the country build strong towns and do the little things that are making such a huge difference. Thanks everybody for listening. Keep doing what you can and enjoy this little breakout from the National Gathering. You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Welcome to the uh, Strong Towns National Gathering. Uh, this is amazing, yeah. It is uh, a thrill to be able to spend time with such excellent and admirable people. I uh, thank you for those of you that picked up on that. I won't try the rest. Our theme for tonight is all about meeting your movement. We have created we, the royal we, have, have built something very special. And I, I want to start tonight by asking you to just look around. Look around this room. We had almost 500 people registered. Norm said we have almost 5,000 members. We have almost 500 people that signed up to be here with us over the next day and a half. I want you to uh, look around and recognize that the people who are here with you are united in loving a place, in caring about a place. They have a passion, have a desire to see that place get better, and they're willing to spend the time to make that happen. The story that's being written about Strong Towns is a story of heroes, and you all are the heroes of that story. And so as we think about getting together and bringing people together, I want to start with just have you look around. Because this is amazing, what's in this room, the energy, the stories, the things that we get to see every day come across our desk is inspiring in ways that I feel inadequate to even express. Let me give you a few stories from our local conversations. And I don't know how many of you know about our local conversations program a lot more than a year ago. <laughs> I'll give you that. Many, many years ago, we started to see these groups pop up. Strong Towns Dallas, Strong Towns Tulsa, Strong Towns Omaha. And the question we had was, who, who are these people? Like, what are, what are you doing? <laughs> I had no idea. And we had Jacob Moses, who's uh, many of you remember, wonderful guy, worked for us for a while. And I, I, we asked him, like, go, go figure this out. Like, who are these people? And pretty much the answer we got was, these are just people who really care about strong towns who are getting together to talk about it. Wow. About a year and a half ago, I sat down with John Pattison, who took over for Jacob when Jacob went on to do other great things. He is now the executive director of a, a housing group in Denton, Texas. Um, yeah. I went out there and met with them. They're doing amazing work too. 
John took over the local conversations program. And I asked him originally, I said, go figure out which of these groups that have self-identified as strong towns are doing great stuff. And how many of them are there out there doing this kind of meeting and work and like what, what's coming out of it? And this started our kind of reincarnation or reimagining this local conversations program. We started with a couple dozen of these groups on a map, pins in Google Maps that were out there doing extraordinary things. I want to highlight first tonight the group from Charlotte. Where, where's the group from Charlotte? I, I know there's a local conversation. There you go. I, I want to get this right because these guys are out there doing monthly Jane Jacobs walks in the community. They're doing critical mass bike rides. They've got a, a thing they call the public policy power hour. And probably the most impressive thing they've been doing is they took it upon themselves to go out and at the bus stops around the community that were pathetic, they went out and started to put benches out. They have done 80, yeah. They have put out 80 benches. And in true Strongtown's spirit, the idea of doing this bottom-up, small-scale intervention has now put pressure on the Regional Transit Authority to actually fund 2,700 improvements to different bus stops around the region. Astounding work. There's a city in Michigan that is spelled Charlotte, but it's actually Charlotte. Charlotte in Michigan, their local conversation started a tree planting campaign. They went out and they started planting trees. The initiative took off. They now have not only the city backing them, but the local chamber of commerce and the local newspaper all collaborating on this effort to create street trees, which as I've said many, many times, are the lowest cost, highest returning thing you can do. Their organizer, a guy named Cooper Frost, actually was named, what, what was it, Cooper? Impactful Millennial of the Year. Um, which as a Gen Xer is about, you know, the highest uh, millennial thing we can say, right? <laughs> Go millennials. He actually, it was really cool, got this massive trophy, and of course, it, again, in Strongtown spirit, brought it home on his cargo bike. Cooper, are you here? Is you, anybody from your group here? Over here. Uh, in, in Bloomington, Illinois, we have a local conversation going on there. Local conversations have many different flavors to them, many different points of emphasis. It's a very bottom-up thing. One of the ongoing, like onboarding things we do when people are coming in is we say, no lone rangers, no lone wolves, get with someone else. And together as a team, start building a team and figure out what you want to do. What's your calling? What's the thing you're passionate about? What's the thing you want to accomplish? In Bloomington, Illinois, they have got three of their members of their local conversations now elected to the city council. Yeah, yeah. I think Noah Tang is here. Noah, are you here tonight? I was told you were going to be here. Noah, I just want to say this. The organizer of this group is a history teacher, which is just about the coolest thing. The amazing thing about Strong Towns is that I think 
people who are outside of this movement look and say, these are engineers, right? These are architects, these are planners, these are technical people. Over 60% of our audience, over 60% of our members are not elected to any office, are not appointed to any office. They are not uh, technical professionals working in this as a profession. They are people who just really, really, really care about their communities. And I love the idea of a history teacher starting a local conversation that leads to revolutionary change in their community. So thank you, Noah and the Bloomington Group. Richmond, Virginia, we got a group from Richmond? So Richmond, Virginia nominated a crash in our crash analysis studio. And we were able to perform that studio, do that one. I think it was the March uh, studio. One of their local conversations members, Sharon Shaw, I want to make sure I get that right. Sharon, are you, is Sharon here tonight? Yes. yes, where are you at? Back there. Thank you. not only nominated the crash, participated in the studio. And this has been very impactful. There was another crash that happened where someone died shortly after the one that we did the studio on. And the momentum of that local conversation combined with kind of the PR focus that we could bring to this is starting to move the ground game there. It's starting to change things in a positive way. You want to intervene, go for it. What? That is a real change. Um, the university, the city, the they're gonna address a couple dozen intersections that are similar to the one that we did the analysis on. So we've got things going on there as a direct result of the local conversation and the work that, that they have done. I'm telling stories of heroes here. That's why I said, look around this room. It's like full of people doing amazing things. Louisiana, as a as yeah, as a Minnesotan, if you would have told me back when we started this whole thing that Louisiana would be a state near and dear to my heart, I, I would have said that that seems very unlikely. Um, I love Louisiana, and I love the people of Louisiana more than anything. There are people there doing amazing, amazing work. We have five local conversations in Louisiana. They're all working on local things in their place. They're all working on issues of them, but they have collaborated, they have come together because they have this ongoing menace that comes out of their state DOT and their road building system. They have made it their mission to, and let me get this right, the unstroding of Louisiana. Uh, they've called themselves, yeah. They've called themselves the Four Corners Coalition. Uh, they will be doing a session tomorrow. You should really go to that session. These are very impressive people doing really hard work and really meaningful work. And if you followed, I think there's a highway through neighborhoods in New Orleans that right now the work is going on to tear that highway down. There's another highway in Shreveport that if you've followed it any amount of time, you've seen we've been working really hard to try to have that project not happen. I feel like there's always momentum there and always struggle there. These are places that I think our standard approach is very comfortable leaving behind. 
if you followed our dialogue at Strong Towns, and, and I know a lot of you have followed this very closely, it's often our poorest neighborhoods that have the most depressing, disrespectful, just kind of awful infrastructure. Uh, despite often, and, and this is what Joe and I, your team did so brilliantly in Lafayette, the neighborhoods that were subsidizing everybody else were the neighborhoods with the worst stuff. Um, it means a lot to me, and I think it means a lot to all of you to see uh, places in Louisiana, a state that uh, in many places ranks 49th or 50th in a lot of those categories that we hold up in high esteem, be a place that matters and not a place that we have as an afterthought. That means a lot. So thank you to the groups in Louisiana. These are the heroes of the story that we're trying to tell. Strong Towns started as a blog. We primarily do media. We are about sharing stories, sharing ideas, sharing what is possible. And truly, again, I just invite you to look around. You are amongst heroes and it is really, really impressive. I said the local conversation started uh, with just a couple dozen. We had a, a meeting, John Pattison, Rachel Quidnow, and if you guys haven't met Rachel, she is like the heart, the backbone of this whole organization. I'm gonna have her stand up just for a sec so you can see. She's way in the back. She hates attention. Point to Rachel, there we go. Like you guys, do you guys think I look smart sometimes? I would look ridiculous without the work that Rachel does to make everything run. It, it's astounding. Rachel and John and I met in Wichita. We were intersecting across the country in our travels and we sat in an Airbnb for a day and a half and we said, we, we wanna make this program work. And I don't remember what the number was, but after I had been out doing a couple things, I came back and John and Rachel had been working on this program. And they said, Here, here's how many local conversations we think we can build in the next five years. And I don't remember what the number was, but I said, no, it's gonna be a thousand. And I remember the, the reaction was that that's insane. It will never be a thousand. This was about 18 months ago. We started with a couple dozen. We today, as of right now, have 138 active local conversations. We have 708 in the process of being formed. That is an astounding number. That's an astounding number. Um, yeah, that... That's what a bottom-up movement looks like. That's what bottom-up action looks like. That, that is what a revolution looks like. And I just wanna take a moment up here to say thank you. Thank you for all of that. I wanna say thank you to CNU as well. We are here today doing this because CNU has invited us to come in and be part of their annual get together. I've been a member of CNU for a long time. Last year, I was invited to be a fellow of CNU, which is a huge, huge honor for me. These are my heroes. These are people who I spent a long, long period of time learning from. I like to think of CNU as like the special forces of urbanism. They're kind of this like leading edge. And it's really cool that we can be here in a space with them and kind of ride their coattails uh, to putting on an event like this. I know not all of you are gonna stay for their gathering. That's okay, I'm really honored that you're here and doing this. If we are able to do this again next year, which I hope we are, 
We'll talk to Andrew over here. Where are you, friend? My boss is sitting right there. I, we're nonprofits, so we've got a board, so I have bosses. And uh, one of them sitting right here, Andrew, go talk to him. He's amazing. We're going to hopefully be able to do this again next year. But I just want to say thank you to CNU. They are really, truly an amazing organization. Andrew and I met through CNU. Our collaboration kind of comes out of what they're doing. I want to thank a few of our other sponsors. I know everybody has uh, paid something to be here. Thank you for doing that. Uh, that is what makes, you know, like all this kind of just functionally be able to happen. But we had a number of sponsors step up and contribute mightily to making this happen. I wrote down one word for each so I wouldn't spend a ton of time on this. Verdunity, first of all. The word I wrote down was courage. This is a group, and where's Kevin at? Back here. Stand up, you guys, all of you from Verdunity. Um, these guys, thank you. Back in the very early days of Strong Towns, when I was trying to figure out what's this organization going to be, when Andrew and I and the rest of the board were trying to, you know, work at like, what are we doing? This was a guy, Kevin Shepard, who was trying to do the same thing. He was like, I'm an engineer. I realize this is not working. I want to do something different. It takes a lot of courage, especially when you have a, a wife and kids and a mortgage and responsibility to go out on this crazy course. They've been very successful and I'm very proud of them, but it took a lot of courage to do what they did. Regrid, and I wrote down intellect. I don't know if Alex is in the room tonight. Alex Alsop with Regrid. Um, if you have not checked out Regrid, they do parcel mapping. And if you are a nonprofit, uh, they have a program called Data with a Purpose, uh, where they're going to give you free or discounted stuff that is absolutely amazing. Alex is one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Get in touch with him. Options real estate. Here's my word for options. Yeah. Inspiring. There's Monty. Inspiring is my word for Monty. Monty is a deep, deep inspiration to me. He is a leader in incremental development. He was doing incremental development way before there was incremental development. He was doing it back when it, it wasn't even not cool. It was so detested that people were like, who is this insane man? But he is a pioneer. He is someone who is doing amazing things. He's speaking tomorrow at a session. I'm really proud to have him here. We are working on ways to partner, and I hope we have an announcement soon about, uh, about Monty being able to, to do some stuff with Strong Towns on a bigger, a bigger stage that will help all of you. There's a group called BTC Real Estate. They're bottom-up redevelopers. Uh, the thing I like most about them is it's redevelopment with heart. Are you guys here in the room tonight? Um, I want to say thank you. They sponsored uh, some people from the heart. Their thing is they wanted to sponsor people who couldn't afford to be here. So we had a number of scholarships we were able to get out for people who said, I, I can't make it. Uh, we were actually paid for some people to come here and be here because of them. The Parking Reform Network, I just wrote down partners. These people are in the trenches with us doing good work. They are great partners in one of our core campaigns. I'm hearing some clapping. Are they here? Yes, where at? Back here. Thank you. Urban innovators, where's Mike? Yes, persistent. That's what I wrote about you, persistent. Thank you. Mike, also, if you've seen the, uh, the video, and I think Norm's going to play it at some point here, the uh, Take Me Home Country Strodes. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's good. 
and as Norm pointed out, if you play it at uh, one and a half speed, it sounds really psychotic. Um, <laughs> Fieldstead and company, Howard Amundsen, has been supporting us for a number of years, is a really great partner. I wrote down convener. He wanted to be here today, he had a medical thing come up and could not make it. Uh, Howard is one of these people who likes to get people together. This is his kind of event, so hopefully we'll get him back here next year. And then people places. I don't know if Frank is here, Frank Starkey. Uh, people places. Frank was in the room where it happened. Well, he's on the CNU board and when we sat down and said can we make this thing possible, Frank was one of our big supporters who said yes. Last but not least, I've got to talk about a guy who is my best friend. Come here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come here. <laughs> one of the sharpest minds you'll ever meet. There's no more generous person than my friend Joe from Urban 3. I know your group is here. <laughs> Where are they at? Back here. Um, I get credited with a ton of things that I did not do. Seriously, like I've seen quotes that were like me, that were Lewis Mumford. I've seen things that were like, I did not say, I did not, that's brilliant, not me, right? I get credited with so much of Joe's work and so much of Urban 3's work. If you think that we've done something brilliant or I've done something brilliant, it's almost certain to have come or originated or been in a stew and mixed around in conversations with Joe and his team. Yeah, yeah, Joe and Urban 3 are amazing. Sharp wit, but an even bigger heart. So thank you. I want to take a couple minutes and talk about two things we've got going on at Strong Towns. I feel like here I can share the strategy with all of you and we'll be, uh, yeah, you're the heroes of this story. The Crash Analysis Studio is this project that we've had brewing for almost all of last year. When we adopted our new strategic plan and set out the five core campaigns, we, we sat down and we said, how do we use the tools we have to make these campaigns come to life. And the one that gained the most traction the quickest was the Crash Analysis Studio. If you have not seen this, what we do, and we've done one of these a month, we've done five now, we launched this in January, is we take a crash where they've all been fatalities, but we said fatalities or traumatic injury, and we analyze it in like a full cause analysis. As everybody in this room knows, the way we deal with crashes today as a country is we go out and sweep up the mess, we invite an insurance company out to point the blame at someone, and then we move on. And I'm not being trite, that is literally what we do. We do not learn from the crashes, we do not change our approach. Uh, we might document the things that went wrong, but if you look at the way we document them, they come from a checklist that says, was the driver speeding? Was the driver on their phone? Was the driver this? Was the driver that? How is the driver to blame? We never look at the things that lead to a crash. We said in the Crash Analysis Studio, we are going to start doing this. And so we have modeled this over the last five months. We're going to continue this on for at least 18 months. We have funding for 18 months to keep doing this. These are an interesting exercise, and many of you have logged in and watched them. I have told our staff, who understand that our staff is really, really good at communications, and so they have pushed back on this. I have said, these studios are not sexy. 
They're not exciting. They're not designed to be entertainment. They're not designed to hook people in. They're designed to be boring and clinical. Because the goal of the studio is not to provide great provocative content. The goal of the studio is to model something that others can copy. And so let me tell you what that next step is in this process, because we wanted to figure out, can we do this? Would it be meaningful? Would it result in stuff happening Richmond, right? Yes, we wanted to see if that would work. We're five months in and we feel really good about this. So the next step that we're doing is we're starting to surround these pieces with more and more content. Uh, the way that we've described this internally is that this, this boring studio, this very clinical session is our Super Bowl and we want to have all the coverage and the hype before and after a focus on all the things. You might have seen articles we've written about does a drunk, does a drunk walker deserve to die? Things that like hook people in and pose provocative questions. We've been doing this for the last couple months and we're going to ramp up all those efforts. But the big thing that we're going to do next is we're actually going to create a training session to teach others how to do this process. Now, the target market for this, is it technical professionals? Yes. We really hope that engineers and planners and traffic officials and public safety officials in cities across the country say, this is an approach that we want to do. We've seen strong towns do it. It looks like something we could do. Remember, I said clinical and boring. It looks like something we could do. They've got a course that's going to train us how to do it. Let's do it. Ideal. Option number two, an elected official says, boy, I really think that we should be doing this. I know that my public works department is reluctant. I know that people are kind of hesitant about this, but I'm the elected official. I'm going to bring this up. There's a course. Let's do it. And ask them to force the issue. Here's the third option. We want to write this so that members of the public can do this themselves. So that people in a city, if the city doesn't want to listen, if they don't want to change, if they don't want to learn, if they do what we standard do, which is go sweep up the mess, point a blame at a victim and move on, we can actually bring that forward. We can have our local conversations, we can have our members, we can have people who care and are passionate about a place say, you know what, this happened in our neighborhood, we are gonna convene a crash analysis studio and we're gonna go through this process we've been trained to do and we're gonna look at all the factors that led to this crash. And then we are going to do the thing that's gonna force the issue. We're gonna publish the results. We're gonna send them to the city. We're gonna make them part of the public record. And we're gonna make this undeniable unignorable. That's the next step. There's more. <laughs> There's more. We live in a litigious society, right? And we can like that, we can hate that. As an engineer, and let, let's be clear, not a licensed professional engineer. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, as a retired, it is so weird. I did just turn 50 yesterday, and when I go show up a place and they read my bio, it still says retired civil engineer, and I'm like, okay, gray hair, like getting, like now everyone thinks I'm like 75 years old. Yeah. 
Retired is a, it's me mocking them. I hope everybody understands that. We live in a litigious society. Engineers, public safety officials, city officials are very sensitive to the idea that they would have liability in a crash. And because of that, they do two things. Two things that we need to overcome. The first thing they do is they say, we are going to follow the standards that have been given us. Whether those standards make sense or not, whether they create a safe street or not, we are going to adhere to industry standards because that is what is defensible in a court of law. The second thing they do is they say, when a crash does happen, we are going to have a checklist of things we look at to blame someone else, but we are going to resist all efforts to introspectively say what part of our design caused this. It is almost a power through a level of ignorance. And so what we are going to do after we teach people how to do these sessions is we are going to go out and teach lawyers how to make cases around bad design. We are, we are going to take the sessions that we have put together and the sessions that you are going to put together across the country and we are going to show them what gross negligence looks like on paper so that they can start pushing this issue. We're also going to go to the insurance companies that insure cities and write policies for municipal liability. Because our goal is to make the crash analysis approach, the approach where we set back and we learn from the crashes and then we iterate and make things better and improve, we want that to be the standard of care for how you build a responsible city. That's the next step. That's what we're going to force to have happen. And you all are a huge part of making that happen. I want to mention the Community Action Lab. Four cities or four communities we've embarked on this process with this year. Lake County, Florida, Medicine Hat in Alberta, Canada, uh, Norman, Oklahoma. Our, come on, are our Medicine Hat people here? Lake County's here. Lake County's here. Of course you are. Hi, Brett. Love you, man. Alberta, Canada, Norman, Oklahoma, and, and uh, yeah, and uh, Chisholm, Minnesota. These places could not be different, more different from each other, right? Chisholm is 5,000 people. Lake County is this massive county west of Orlando, fast growing. We've been embarking on this process for the last five months with them. It's gonna go on the rest of this year in an intense way and then another following year in, in a slightly uh, less intense way. We have learned a ton. These places have learned a ton along with us. This is like a full contact sport. And actually, and I, I'll say this with my boss in the room, because he warned me. He said, this is going to be harder than you think. And I'm like, oh, no, we got it. Uh, yeah, this is way harder than I thought it would be going in. So again, you were right. But I'm watching this program develop. I'm watching our team come together. I'm watching the communities uh, wrestle with big, strong towns issues and how they actually manifest on the ground. And I'm seeing a model that, again, I think will scale and be copied over and over and over. These four communities are going to be our ambassadors. Again, we talk about heroes. There's some heroic work being done in each of these places. 
and I'm excited to continue to share them. I'm excited to ramp up that sharing them with you. And I'm excited to have them be places that our leaders next year, the year after, the year after, and on and on. We are about to launch, and I think next week is when we launch, the next round of applicants soliciting places that want to be part of this program. So look for that on our site. We can only take five. Like I said, this is a full kind of full contact sport. We have a limited capacity of what we can do. But next week, we're going to start doing that. I think last year we had 18 applicants and wound up taking four. This year we're expecting a lot more, can only take five. If this is something that interests you, if this is something you want to talk about, where is Michelle? Where is Edward? The Erfurts. Michelle's back there. Edward's back there. This is the guy that is heading up the program on our side. Yeah. Go chat with Edward because we will get you on the, in a sense, fast track to be part of uh, this overall conversation. Last thing, we lost a dear friend in November of the pandemic, a guy named Tommy Pacello. And I know a lot of you knew Tommy. Most of you here probably did not. Uh, Tommy was one of these guys who, like he would say about his hometown, this was a guy who could have worked anywhere. A high-powered attorney on Wall Street, global trader, like you, you, this was a guy who had everything. He had good looks, he had charisma, he had intelligence, he was just this astounding person. And as a true hero, what he chose to do was go back to his city of Memphis and work. And not work for glamour, not work for tons of money, work in doing neighborhood stuff. Like I said, like a true hero. He was an amazing, amazing guy. A deep inspiration for me. He got pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer is one of these that you don't often discover till it's much too late. It was much too late for him. Uh, it went very, very quickly and shockingly. I remember talking to Joe and be like, how? Like of all the people, Tommy Pacello. Uh, he was only 43, wife and, and two little, little girls. His friends, his family have wanted to honor him by doing something that would inspire the kind of people that Tommy was and the kind of people that Tommy liked to hang out with and himself liked to be involved with. And so they have been able to raise a sizable pot of money for something that they are calling, and let me make sure I get this right, because we're calling it the Pacello ship. That's the, the term that's kind of fun that I've been in. But it's the uh, Tommy Pacello Placemaking Fellowship. And I want to announce this here kind of preliminarily. There'll be a formal announcement in a couple of weeks. But I, I want you to know that what this is, is it's money for bottom-up projects. You want to go plant a bunch of trees, that's what they want to fund. You want to go put benches at bus stops, that's the kind of stuff they want to fund. And they want to fund the stuff that starts small and scales up, right? That was Tommy's frame of mind. How do we get something going and have it build upon itself? And so in the next couple of weeks, keep your eyes open. We will be emailing everyone on the email list and letting them know about the Pacello ship. We're not talking, you know, six-figure amounts of money, but if you're a local conversation and you're looking for some startup money to do that project that you just want to get off the ground, this is going to be an amazing opportunity for you. And, and they're looking for groups like all of you. I want to end with this. I know we all feel alone sometimes. We do this work and there are days when like everything falls 
together, right? Like everything comes together, everything works out. But those days are the rare exception, right? Most days we're, we're banging our head against a wall. We're pushing and this machine is like weighing us down. A lot of times we feel very, very alone. Like we're facing this ourselves or we're facing this with a small group. When we talked about having this gathering, when we talked about bringing people together, the thing that we wanted to do as an organization is to show everybody that they're not alone. Look around. No one in this room should ever feel alone in doing this work. We've run the statistics. We have millions of people reading our site. I ran the numbers once. We have at least 60 people at average in every city in the US who regularly read Strong Towns. That number blows my mind. Blows my mind. How can that possibly be? In the typical city hall, we have six people who are regularly reading Strong Towns. The ground is tilled for you. The seeds are there for you to plant. The momentum is building. You all are the gardeners out there doing the tilling. You're the heroes out there doing the work. It is paying off. It is working. We are seeing huge success. And for those of us that have been at this for a while, I haven't felt lonely for a long time. A long time, because of all of you. We have a ton of momentum. Keep being the hero of the story. Keep working at this. Keep pushing. Thank you, everybody, for what you do. And keep working to build a strong town. Thank you. America's one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's the story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Who made the city? I like you. I like your vision of the of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit, Agenda 21. Yeah.